everyone, and welcome back to The Other Castle. The Other Castle. I'm Andrea. And my name is Tom. And we are coming from the podcast machine. We are. For real, this week we are doing Bendy and the Ink Machine. And can we tell you, our friends, this is not the first time we've done this episode, although this will be the only time you hear it, because we, spoiler alert, are stuck in an infinite time loop of hell. In fact, this isn't even the second time that we have recorded this episode. No, ladies and gentlemen, we are on, well, like we said, we're on an infinite loop of recording this episode. So it depends on when you're listening and how many times you've listened to this. Every time you listen to this, a part of me dies because I've relived this fucking episode over and over again. Which I guess is appropriate, all things considered. Fair enough. Spoilers for this game. Yeah. (laughs) As you'll find out in this game. Like, structurally, there are spoilers. Yeah, I guess a little bit. Roll with it. Especially the way we tell the story. Yeah. (laughs) Bendy and the Ink Machine. This is a game where there is a lot of talking. There is a lot of narration. There's a lot of people telling the story of what happened in this story. But I would say it's equally as interpretable as a game like Little Nightmares. I'd say that's fair because you... You're dropped into a world, and mm. the same with Little Nightmares, you can explore that world, and this world just happens to leave more clues than the Little Nightmares world does. Yeah. But you're still kind of pulling from it, and you're on the outside with a some sense of what to do, but not a sense of what's going on. And it's fair that you also mentioned Little Nightmares, because this is also another kind of indie darling that could horror game that yeah. came up. So I like that. There, you know, there's... Was it? Let's call it 2012 to 2017. We got a bunch of games like this. It's a really good time for indie games. Yeah, like heavy narrative, like crazy lore, mm-hmm. and like simplistic kind of basic gameplay just so you can get through a cool ass story. Like that's a really cool time in gaming. Yeah, no, we're seeing a really cool time in gaming. It's like what we saw in the early 90s in film, you know, just like really creative people coming together to make some smaller titles, but that are really heavy hitting. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. I love that. Yeah. We're in this nice renaissance of indie gaming. It's great. We are. It's pretty cool to see. So speaking of indie gaming, so Bendy and the Ink Machine is a five chapter horror game. Would you call it a horror game? Yeah, it's horror, horror survival. Some people call it, I consider it just more horror. I don't know what the survival of the whole game would be. I mean, yeah, there are some aspects where you're running for your life, but it's not like it's, and yeah, it is an infinite loop, but it's not like, it's also like an infinite, you know, onslaught it's not temple run no it's not a temple run which they did make a temple run of this game oh (laughs) yeah actually well uh they did do a temple run version of this game on uh ios and like android and shit but that's very cheeky that's that's really funny it was just a fun way of making a little couple more dollars off this franchise totally and like can we talk about the franchise because i feel like this kind of came out of nowhere and now it's in like targets and shit I mean, even for the creators, for them, it came out of nowhere. It's from The Meatly and Mike Mood are the, pretty much the two people behind this game. So The Meatly was just an artist, right? He's a cartoonist, right? He was a cartoonist, and he had an idea for how to do 2D animation in a 3D style. And he wanted to kind of throw together this demo of a video game just to like kind of show people what he could do with this. 
So this was like very much just a demo reel moment of like, look how look what this art style is. Let's do the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really all his intention was with this. And then he called up his buddy Mike Mood, who was an actual like programmer and stuff. He came in and took one look at uh, the build of it, and he's like, "This is a mess." <laughs> oh. Oh man, this is uh this is pretty tragic. But I see what you're going <laughs> with for here. So let me help you out, and we'll come together and so put something forward. So you've got the art and the engineer, and they can come together to actually build something beautiful but cohesive and not garbage on either end. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. I mean, a lot of those partnerships, that's what you need is like totally one person who's the artist and one person who's kind of the, you know, either the business end or just the mechanical end of it all. Totally. So let's go with like the artist and the business end. I like that. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Most definitely, right? Oh, yeah. I love that. There's some cool parallels. Uh, there is some pretty cool parallels between the two people. So that was their only intention was just to kind of throw together a cool little demo. Like they did it on Patreon, I believe, is how they raised the money for oh, it. Oh, sick. And through that, they were able to say, they just said it was the demo, but when they released it, they called it Chapter One. So they kind of created just this tiny little world for chapter one and didn't really intend to take it anywhere else, but it kind of blew up on them. So over the course of the next year and a half, they threw this game together, really. Wow. And I say threw together. That's pretty flippant about a bit. Like, <laughs> about building this entire franchise. Yeah. Through, like a multi-million dollar franchise at this point. Yeah, exactly. But at the <laughs> same time, it was like they were building as they went. So like you can see a lot of instances where they were taking advice from, you know, the fans of the series and trying to build upon the ideas, but also make it more fun, but a little bit more complex. And sometimes they fall flat on their face. Ooh. All right. Well, we're here for the ride. Because I think one of the things I said to you while I was playing the game was how it felt like the game felt like somebody who had played video games before but who had never made one before okay so it's like a love letter to games but i don't have the technical skill to like write it in calligraphy yet here's kind of a crayon thank you right because i feel like it's a pretty clunky game i don't think the mechanics are very good it's a first person game but it's not a first person shooter necessarily it's Mm. kind of like uh we happy few first person melee and then it's a first person melee game and you know with these indie titles the first person melee isn't working out too well yeah it's just it gets so repetitive even if you have that asset management where it could lose life like in Last of Us where like your hatchet will fall apart after a couple tries. It's still so repetitive. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And so that was my like some of my biggest complaints. Also, just our main characters in his 60s, so he doesn't move very quickly. He's in his 60s. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But yeah, he's in his 60s, so he doesn't move very fast. Yeah, you're dealing with a very slow character, which makes the controls feel a lot clunkier than they are. And it's just, oof. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of how the game came out, but the story of it all is fun and it's fascinating. Okay, give me a battle of the Henrys. We had Henry, the protagonist from Firewatch. Right. Basically walking up and down mountains and going up and down ropes. A lot of then, walking. And then 60-something Henry in Bendy and the Ink Machine. Honestly, they could be the same Henry. Really? Yeah. Can we They both accept- like just walking. Can we accept that as headcanon? Let's go with headcanon on that. All right. Firewatch Universe yeah. is the same as Bendy. This is what he was doing after he left Joey Deer Studios. Yeah. This was like his like 
in between time. Yeah, he watched the fires. Yes, it's all the same Henry. Yeah, it's, there's only one Henry. Which is also connected to the Last of Us universe, as we've found out through a, a few episodes now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing up that Firewatch has the sweater from The Last of Us 1. Yeah. For no reason, just to <laughs> prove something. That this all means something. But now that means Bendy and the Ink Machine is also a part of this. There you go. You're fine with that. I accept. <laughs> so Bendy and the Ink Machine, like we said, it's a five chapter game and they built out chapter one as a demo. The rest of the chapters, actually, you can tell how much more the developers and writers thought out oh, where yeah. the story was going. It's really interesting how to see these characters develop and grow and that the world grows and the world is complex and dark and fucked up. Oh, yeah. And you can see as well how other people joined the team as time went on and, you know, they got more developers because it feels like a long time to say that this five chapter game took a year and a half <laughs> because you, you compare that to something like the old Telltale games that came out or, yeah. you know, the Life is Strange games where it's a planned out five episode arc that it's going to take about a year for that whole five episodes to come out. Yeah. And there's rarely delays because they roll it out on a pretty tight schedule. Yeah. And they're big studios but this was literally just a couple of dudes in their <laughs> you know house putting this game together and kind of throwing the story together as they went as you'll find out there were some uh, changes made after the game even came out yeah which is really cool i love that that but that makes it feel like a living thing like it mm -hmm. was reactive to the world which makes this so much more interesting and you know, part of that reminds me of how in the Telltale games at the end of each episode, you'd see the live tallies of how people reacted in each episode of like, oh, 90% wanted right. to kill this guy and 10% decided to save this guy. Yeah, yeah. And it, part of me always wanted that to affect it and like steer some of the narrative. And maybe it did in other pieces of writing when faced with the same kind of moral questioning. Mm -hmm. But I really kind of hoped we could push that and like break the wall and be a part of it. And this, Benny and the Machine really did that which i find fascinating and so rare in game totally culture. totally you, you rarely see this kind of company paying attention to the gamers and what they have to say while they're building out the game which is really cool to see absolutely all right so we can stop sucking this game's dick yeah and <laughs> start talking about it definitely <laughs> but i mean to suck this game's dick just for one other second <laughs> on youtube there are an incredible amount of walkthroughs and we watched a whole bunch of them so thank mm -hmm. you to everyone on YouTube for that. That definitely has a lot of information. And it also helps with a lot of the theorizing as well, because there are a lot of ways to interpret this game, like I said. Yeah, absolutely. So sure. let's get started with the game itself. And I think one of the best things, because in the game itself, the character Henry does know much of the history of what happened here at Joey Drew Studios. However, we, the listeners or the players, we don't get to find out until like throughout the game we pick up little hints here and there as to what the history was. But we think the best way to present it is to kind of come in with it with the same knowledge that Henry had. So let's start with a little bit of a backstory to Joey Drew Studios. The history of Joey Drew Studios. Yeah. So Joey Drew Studios is an American, presumably an East Coast, animation studio. Mm -hmm. It was founded by Joey Drew, the business, and Henry, the artist. Henry Stein. Henry Stein. The meatly of it all. Right. <laughs> it definitely can, is. If we can keep it 100 on he that. He sees himself as the hero for sure. Yeah. So they found their studios in 1929. You know, they're young, they're entrepreneurs, and they bang out cartoons featuring Bendy, 
who is this little demon kind of steamboat willy looking Mickey man. Yeah, so it's 1930s style animation. So just think of that like noodly armed characters that where their arms bend not at the elbow, but like the entire arm bends. I love that. It's very rubbery animation. And he's a very mischievous character. And then he's got his sidekick, Boris. Boris. And Boris, I would say he looks like Goofy. Goofy. So he's like tall, lumbering, dog, big nose, floppy ears. Yeah, he doesn't wear clothing though. So he is just, yeah, he is like a nude character. All these characters are are pretty much nude characters except for the female character. Boris has overalls. Boris does have overalls? Yes. Okay then, he is wearing clothing. He is okay, a decent good. doggo. I guess he is decent, but Bendy's not wearing clothes. He's a naked demon. He's definitely a naked demon. And at first, it was just these two characters kind of running around. Yeah, and those were the temple characters for Joe Studios. Those were, they were cranking out cartoons. That's where the money started rolling in. People started getting excited about them. Mm-hmm. But about a year or so into it, Henry's like, you know what? We're working way too hard. I'm not seeing my wife. I'm putting way too much into work. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. And Joey's like, man do that and henry goes no i'm gonna do that yeah (laughs) so henry leaves you know his wife gets dementia he goes on a fire watch he watches a big fire that's canon a whole thing yeah see our other episode about what happened there (laughs) so he fucks off for 30 years (laughs) yeah he definitely does but meanwhile i'm gonna keep telling you the story of joey drew studios during the time henry has fucked off to fire watch in wake of henry joey drew is like fuck henry was like my brains that was my boy I need to get some more people in here to make up for his loss because that was my fucking man. Yeah, because unbeknownst to pretty much everybody, despite it being Joey Drew Studios, Henry actually created Bendy. Yeah. And not a lot of people know that. They've kind of kept that secret as to the fact that Henry created Bendy initially. He's like the Bill Finger of Batman. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely just, the same I was in story. the room, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we totally put this together. Where's my name? But Henry also never had like an ego about it. He never had a problem with the fact that it wasn't, you know, his name on the front. He liked kind of being behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. He's very humble. Yeah. Joey Drew isn't. No. So Joey Drew starts hiring super aggressively. So this is what happens in startups, right? You Mm -hmm. get together, you have an idea, it starts skyrocketing and people start talking about your evaluation and you're like, that's how much money I have in the bank. And they go, no. That's how much money you could have in the bank as long as you don't fuck up at any other point going forward right now. And they go, that is a cash that is in my wallet. Right. <laughs> because. That has money to spend. Yeah. You know, and it that's why a lot of small businesses fail. That's why a lot of startups just crash and burn is because you hear the evaluation and you don't look at your checkbook. <laughs> and then one of the founders leaves. Yeah. And then it all falls apart. Exactly. So keep that in mind. We're going off. Joey is hiring like crazy. He's building out his actual studio space. So he's building out desks and chairs and like mingling areas and some other weird shit that I'll get into in a couple years down the timeline. Definitely. Because presumably he is existing in the same timeline as, you know, a Disney is also his competition going on. Yeah. So with this new group of artists in the studio, they create one more character called Alice Angel, Mm -hmm. who's, you know, where Bendy's a demon. She's like a curvy, vivacious angel. Yeah, she's definitely an angel, but she's an angel with horns. So she's like, you know, a good bad girl. Yeah. Which we all love. Oh, how could you not? So this is really exciting, and the company is pouring money into advertising, getting people excited about these cartoons, pumping out these cartoons. Girl, we are hemorrhaging money. Yeah. 
no money. There's no money coming in. No. So Joey Drew is like, well, shit, we need to monetize. So they start a toy line, mm-hmm. which, you know, obvious next transition. Pretty like, smart. Yeah. And it's the 30s. So this isn't your knee jerk reaction. Your knee jerk reaction is like, you know, to buy a can of soup. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. You know how it is. Not like, how do I monetize this? So, you know, actually pretty innovative for his time. I'll give Definitely. him that. As a marketer. mad respect with a new toy shop it really adds a lot more people and a lot more stress to the building the employees are starting to get really sick the employees are being overworked particularly the artists who are creating the cartoons and working on the cartoons like sammy lawrence is the head of music and has been since day one Mm -hmm. and we get to the point where we hear about him being like they need me to score four fucking cartoons overnight like what's going on yeah (laughs) just way overworking and pushing people we get to the point now where joey drew installs something very unique to his studios Mm -hmm. okay so i've worked in a couple corporate offices you know yeah one was a really big worldwide company, you know, yeah. like at their peak, like 800 stores or something. Yeah. They didn't have this. No. But Joey Drew Studios installed an infirmary. Right. Like, like you guys had a Starbucks. I remember that. I was, I was like Starbucks. blown away by the fact that your corporate offices had a Starbucks inside of it. That's oh, how yeah. large your corporate offices were. Yeah. But... Yeah, Joey Drew Studios had to have a fucking infirmary. Like when you go to war and you set up one tent just to handle everything. This is what their fucking animators had to work with. You want to talk crunch culture, bitch? Right. You want to talk about how hard it was to turn out fucking Grand Theft Auto? Have you seen these motherfuckers? We have a nurse's office at work. Yeah, and the way the nurse's office worked was if you were sick... You couldn't just leave for the day and be like, I threw up, I have to go. You have to, like, prove your sickness? Yeah, yeah, you have to go to the infirmary. The nurse will check you out, and if you are sick, you can go home. But if you're not sick, you get docked pay. Oh, my God. They charge you. So you better be fucking sick. You better have, like, a bone sticking out. (laughs) But for that reason, people will be like, well, shit, I'm already not getting paid on time. My checks are bouncing because the studio is running out of money. Like, Mm -hmm. these employees are really working themselves to the bone over nothing. Which I've also worked <laughs> in startups. You do hear stories like this. Like right. this is still a this thing is that not happens. Something that's rare. This is we're talking about something about a, close to a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And it's funny to have a game about crunch culture from one a guy who's never made a video game before in his life. That's a wonderful like moment of <laughs> reflection, though, right? Yeah, which is really it, it, maybe Mike Mood has a little bit of experience having come from some like background with it, but just the fact that the Meatly his initial like idea was about this kind of story anyway, and uh, he wasn't a part of it, which is uh, good for him for standing up for these people though. Yeah, but it's it's funny that his first game foray does have a commentary on crunch culture without him being a part of it. Yeah, like that that is really fascinating. <laughs> Great call out. Yeah. So with this crunch culture, people are literally like getting sick and dying and disappearing from work and shit. Like, right. Money's bouncing. Like no shit is bad. It's going they're, real downhill. They're just tanking money. They're bo- they're hemorrhaging money out the ass. Joey Drew is like, holy shit, I'm running my company into the ground. Mm-hmm. This was great for like the week that my best friend and I were running this shit. Now it's terrible. Yeah. People are like dying on my watch. I hired a fucking medical team and that didn't help for some reason. <laughs> it should have been better and it's not. Helps improve things. And in we meet an incredible man called Bertram Piedmont. Bertram Piedmont. And you have to say it like you're about to tie a bitch to some railroad tracks. Like, right. that's an insane name. <laughs> Twirling your mustache yeah. while you go. Big ass hat. You see it. He you know. He sounds like a bad guy. Yeah. And it's cute. 
is. So (laughs) Bertram Piedmont is an amusement park curator? Designer? Design. I feel like it has to sound something more whimsical. Like if you met a hipster in like the mission in San Francisco, like one of those hardcore hipsters. I'd say he considers himself like a ride inventor. Yeah. You know, he definitely uses the word inventor a lot in his, uh, in how he describes himself. Yeah, he definitely does loosely use the word inventor. Yeah, an experienced curator. You're right about curator. Curator's it's almost in there. feels like the right way to describe him, definitely. He's a little bit of a ragtime pony show, if you know what I mean. He sees himself as way more than just, like, a guy that makes rides. I call toothpaste elixirs. <laughs> Stamp used to be 10 cents and now it's 42. Wow, that inflation's really a killer, huh? <laughs> so is Tooth Decay. Do you want some Elixir? <laughs> Damn, I'm sorry. I don't know who right the fuck around. that was or why he was here. Tom has lovely breath. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I blacked out. Piedmont fucking... Bertram Piedmont. Bertram Piedmont. Now his spirit has escaped my body and I can't get a hold of him. <laughs> Homeboy. Meets up with Joey Drew. He's like, look, your shit's real bad, but mm-hmm. I have a genius idea. I rode here on my bicycle with one big wheel right? just to tell you, I think we can set up an amusement park. And Joey Drew, in his big ass ego, is like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let me pump money into creating another project. Yeah. And obviously Piedmont is like, no, you will get your bag back. Like fucking there's a guy on the West Coast with a fucking rat for a fucking franchise owner. It's not going to go well. That won't be around forever. Right. Let's go. Let's get the bag. He's got the West Coast. Let's take the East Coast. Yeah. Let's do this. And Joey's like, you don't have to convince me that hard. I was in. I have such an ego. Yeah. He was like, you just walked in and said, I have an idea. And I said, here, do you want some money? Yeah. I printed it (laughs) myself on a machine. I will tell you about soon. So Bertram Piedmont is like, cool. I will make Bendy Land. Mm -hmm. And it is an amusement park all about Bendy. Exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Does this sound familiar? A little bit. Yeah. Which is fascinating. So a lot of people make a lot of comparisons to, of this game to and Joey Drew Studios to Disney and Disneyland. And, Naturally. And it is it is a very easy comparison to make. However, one thing that people don't necessarily know about is the Fleischer Studios of the same era. Who did? They were basically Disney's competition IRL. Ooh. And they had a character called Bimbo the Dog. <laughs> And then he had a friend called Coco the Clown. And so Bimbo the Dog was just a short, little, mischievous, kind of devilishly little guy. He was a silent character. He didn't talk, though. So he did did just whistle. He made little grunts and groans here and there, as did Coco the Clown. Coco the Clown was another silent character, and it was these two for a very, very long time. Skin into mischief. Getting the mischief, and they did pretty well. They did lots of commercials. They did lots of TV time. They would air before movies and stuff like that. Fun. And then Disney came around oh. and Steamboat Willie came around. Like everybody talks about Steamboat Willie being the first cartoon with uh, synced sound. Talk about Steamroll Willie. It's actually because Disney kind of retconned history. Oh shit. And just told people I'm the first one to do it with sound. That's fucking sick. Fleischer Cartoons had done it four years earlier with one of their cartoons. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, it's a completely like, Disney kind of was just like, eh, but you didn't do it well enough that people noticed, so. But we say 
Dewey did. So. Yeah, so they say that Steamboat Willie was officially the first one. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, it's kind of fucked up entirely. I mean, Disney was, he was a crafty guy, and he was, I wouldn't say he was a con man, but he was kind of ruthless. Wow, okay. So, seeing this competition, uh, Fleischer Studios decided to create a new character. And this character went down in the lexicon as being, like, their biggest creation. And that character is Betty Boop. Oh, shit, I know her! So Betty Boop was their response to kind of losing to Disney. And, you know, we still know who she is today. She's been a sex icon longer than anyone alive. On a lot of mud flaps on truck tires and stuff, you know? Bedazzled onto the backs of a lot of jean jackets. Yeah, in the theatrical cut of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, she has a nip slip even. Yep. Get it, bitch. Right? Yeah, it it didn't make it to a home video, but in the original theatrical cut. Wow. There is a nip slip. Can't take the nipples home with you. No. (laughs) That's wild. While Fleischer Studios had the East Coast... Uh, Disney did have the West Coast, and they were just able to strike a lot more deals with the film companies to air before more movies, and Fleischer Studios eventually just went out of business. That's wild! So, this Bendy and the uh, Joey Drew Studios and everything really kind of relates a little bit to that. Now, the fantastical elements we're about to talk about, I would not say (laughs) relate to what happened over there, any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, it does have a lot of parallels. It's really cool that they drew from that. Yeah, I love that. And speaking of the fantastic parallels, that's kind of where our next step is. <laughs> there you go. So we have our Bendy Land that's kind of going with an insane person who clearly like sings to his plants in German because he thinks it'll sprout better oregano when he's planted a strawberry. <laughs> like this man's insane. Yeah. On the other hand, we have a company in the world called Gent, G-E-N-T. So like, hey, mm-hmm. gents. They <laughs> work with ink in a unique way where they can take ink and make it be other things. Right. Or take other things and make it ink. I think their intention was as like movie props or something because as we find out in the games like the the things that they create aren't really long lasting. They do fall apart pretty quickly if put under pressure. That's true. That thing that Joey Drew and Gent like partner on is the ink machine. Mm-hmm. And the ink machine, there might be one or two. Yeah. Depending on how you look at it. I think yeah. there are two. There, I think there's canonically two. Yeah. It's basically a giant... It kind of looks like a submarine. Just a little bit. <laughs> if you do look at collateral from the game and you're like, what's that? It's the ink machine. And the ink machine just... That's where there's a lot of magic and evil. Yeah, a whole ton of weird shit going on because people start worshipping it. It becomes kind of deified a little bit in a weird way. And it's just True. a machine. Yeah. But I think that their whole thing is like... But it's creating... Yeah. So one of the things that Joey Drew gets an idea for is with the amusement park. He wants to put his characters in the park because, you know, he's seen costume characters in parks, Mm -hmm. but he's never seen a real life cartoon in a park. So he gets this idea of teaming up with Bertram Piedmont to kind of make robots and have the ink machine create his characters and put them through the parks. And so the first one they create, obviously, is Bendy. And Bendy does not take to it well. Bendy is a demon. Yeah. And you tried to bring him to life using ink? That is, <laughs> is bad. It's okay. a bad idea. So it's like the mid-40s when we're doing this also. So like, yeah. for context, it's the fucking 40s. Yeah. There's, everything's terrible. There's Everyone's, human demons running around. People are like racist as shit. It's like now, but Worse. without the internet. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, underground in New Jersey, there's some asshole. There's an ink demon. 3D printing demons out of ink. So they realize, all right, maybe we went about this the wrong way. Because it's evil. And also, on top of this, 
the employees down below are starting to revolt. Mm -hmm. And they actually are able to publish an expose talking about how terrible Joey Drew Studios is and how people are missing. Right. People are dying at their deaths. There's an infirmary that's basically just a frog chain smoking all day going, you're not sick, get back to work. It's more of a morgue than an infirmary. Yeah. <laughs> and also there's an ink machine that spits things out that are walking around. And that's probably evil. Yeah, definitely evil. They decide, all right, maybe we need to put souls into these characters. Maybe that's what's missing because clearly this evil bendy creature that's running around is soulless. <laughs> and uh, so they decide to put souls into them and so they do end up putting the souls of their employees into these characters and i think that's a good place to stop and get into the story yeah so that's like the mid-1940s kind of right around that time joey drew fully is broke the, mm -hmm. there's no money the studio closes files bankruptcy he's kicked out of the industry and shunned by everyone yeah everything's really fallen apart it's it's really fallen apart for him entirely it's true yeah and now it's about 1966 it's I think. 19 august 1966 is where our story picks up and you are henry mm -hmm. from firewatch henry from firewatch henry stein king beef and you open a letter. It says, Dear Henry, seems like a lifetime since we worked on cartoons together. 30 years really slips by, doesn't it? If you're back in town, come visit the old workshop. There's something I need to show you. Your best pal, Joey Drew. Oh, Joey Drew. Joey Drew. Sending out letters to his friends. And Henry's like, all right, Joey. What do you want to show me? Ugh. So he shows up and the game starts off in just like a little hallway, right? And you're in the old animation studio. And the artwork in this game you know, from the Meatly, again, he is an artist and he wanted to demonstrate this artwork as the reason for this game's existence anyway. And it's gorgeous. It is beautiful. Like, the gameplay is one thing, but the art is entirely what sets this apart as a unique piece of art in the medium of video games. Yeah, it's done in this very sepia-toned, it's, it, like I said, it, it's a 2D animation, but done with in a 3D way, which is really cool. So it's kind of similar to the t Telltale animation as well. Love that. With, like, the dark lines that you can kind of interact with, but things are flat, but 3D, I totally get that. Yeah, it helps to give it a lot of dimension and it's just really thick black lines and i really like that about the animation in it and it's also got oozing ink dripping from you know every Woo! corner of every board of wood because yeah the entire studio is made out of wood too so think of it as just board wood throughout the entire game but it's done in this really cool animation very 40s yeah super 40s <laughs> of the time yeah definitely and you know henry's going through the studio and he's seeing all these cardboard it's either cardboard or plywood cutouts of bendy and they're huge like six foot tall ones they're just you know. like marketing materials yeah just big marketing materials on the walls or you know movie posters from all their different cartoons you know featuring boris the wolf and alice angel and you know all this fun things so yeah i used to work in like fandom and we did have cardboard cutouts of people all the time so we just you kind of sneak them behind people's cubicles and like make them so they're <laughs> sitting in people's shit george takei peeks his head up yeah over the like thing. i had a four-foot pikachu that i would leave at my desk when i wasn't at work <laughs> and then i left to work remotely and it just sat there for like three months before anyone touched it and it had a blanket around it and shit like <laughs> i feel that when you're in a like a funky environment you have weird shit everywhere and you're like this is my life now yeah definitely and then he sees like the desk they sat at where he like created Aww. bendy and everything he's like oh this is my old desk so many memories here and so you know he's, he's going around until he finally stumbles upon the actual ink machine itself Ooh. now this is the first ink machine of the two ink machines do you think this one's bigger no yeah. this is the small one okay because the big 
one is, at the, yeah, the big one's huge. Okay. So this is the small ink machine. In doing so, he also finds a character of Boris. Now, remember, we're, we were creating these characters, and these characters are made entirely out of ink. And we find this Boris character on a slab, and he's cut open, and his <gasps> rib cage is cut out, is out, and it's... It's not really intestines, but, you know, he's definitely... Is it goop? It's goop. It's Gross. all just black goop and stuff. So it's definitely a mutilated Boris corpse, which is sad. It's gross. And so Henry's looking at this and like, what the fuck? What What are you working on here? Like, <laughs> what? You really did need to show me something. So he decides that he needs to turn on the ink machine and find out what this thing does and why it exists. And I think his initial thought is that it was after he left, like, the ink machine was maybe like technology helping them make cartoons faster, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's more or less what he thought that the ink machine did. Yeah, I think he was more curious than, like, malicious. I think he's like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. What's he just going He on? wants to see how this whole thing works. Because it is, it's, you know, it's completely desolate totally however as you're going through this is where some of the horror elements come in those bendy cutouts keep peeking their heads around corners Ew. as oh, you're no. walking down hallways no and they do and the music in this game by the way is 100 percent. i love the score of this game so incredible it fits so perfectly and like this is one of the things that indie titles from this era really had they're like we get an emo band to mm-hmm. license us three songs and we score them so they're fucking perfect mm-hmm. or we find a brilliant fucking like composer no one in this era of genre has slept on the music which is probably why this whole wave stands out so strong but ben is absolutely among them like the instrumentals for this are insane and you feel it like in your bones yeah the oh. emo band they got for this was incredible no, <laughs> <laughs> you no, fucking fuck this is definitely a scored piece my with, biological with... affair <laughs> yeah no this is definitely a scored piece with an orchestra and stuff and yeah so they get great violins and stuff going on whenever there's you know heightened moments and, and it's oh. really really fun and well done you know it's like I say the gameplay in it isn't fantastic and it's just a lot of running around it's a lot of running around just looking at things and interacting with things just to make them tell the next bit of story. That's what a Henry does in an indie game in 2013 to 17. <laughs> Definitely. That is exactly what that's all there is to do. Yeah. One of the ways they tell stories. So here's one thing we'll say is take a shot every time we reference Bioshock. Oh no, you're going to die from yeah. alcohol poisoning. He's actually come out admitting that Bioshock was a huge influence. As we all on this have. Game. Yeah. Go on. And so one of the ways they tell stories is through little audio boxes, you know, little tape recorders, which is typically reserved for the wealthy, would you say? Yeah, I mean, like, if you want to go, like, Home Alone 2 rules, yeah. like, Ken McAllister had one. He had And he himself. managed to bamboozle all of New York. <laughs> With his little tape recorder. With his tape recorder. Yeah. Meanwhile, these people are operating on two to four per person that are disposable enough to leave in convenient circumstances. Yeah, definitely. So the first tape recorder we come across is from their janitor. So like everyone in this building was balling out of control the week that they got paid and just bought a bunch of like, instead of I'm going to start vlogging, I'm going to start audio vlogging. They're like, going to keep audio diaries and just leave them scattered about. Like an influencer? Yeah. In the 40s? In the 40s. Jesus Christ. And they don't just leave tapes. They leave the entire, like, recording device. Like, I'm done with this one. Like, imagine- I recorded my 30 seconds. <laughs> Can't use it again. Yeah. <laughs> the tapes are too expensive. <laughs> well, you get one free when you buy the new device. <laughs> 
think I've got a pretty good system of keeping myself an audio diary now. Yeah, that's how the whole thing works. It's like guerrilla marketing influencers. Like, <laughs> instead of me being available for you to seek me out, I will just show up and leave my shit in front of you. <laughs> all my lifestyle shit, and you figure it out, and you follow me. Like, can you imagine all these influencers, like, taking, like, a dozen pictures of their, like, iPhone 12, and then just being like, well, I'm done with this now, and leaving it where they left it, like, just where Unlocked. they last used it. Yeah. Unlocked, available to anybody. Yeah, it's a pretty good marketing scheme. They figured us out. <laughs> so Wally Franks, he's the janitor, and he's the first one to really start to notice some of the occult uh, worshipping of the ink machine. He calls them out on their devil shit? A little bit, because, I mean, I think they recognize that it created this bendy creature, and they're like, wait, this a god creates, not people. A man obeys. Ooh, again, going right back to <laughs> Right back it to the Bioshock. Right it's right there. Drink up, babies. 100. So they, I feel like they start worshipping the ink machine a little bit more and more. And again, they, we talked about how they decide to start putting souls into the ink machine. And I think their initial concept with putting people's souls into things was by collecting totems from different people in the studio. So it's not like Temple of Doom. No, not Temple it's of not Doom. It's not like Fargo. Is it like, you know, some groups think when you take a picture you get a piece of someone's soul yeah think of voldemort splitting his soul up into different pieces into and horcruxes? Harry, horcruxes and harry potter oh but not necessarily like that evil or anything like that. we don't know that this game is a horror game no but they just feel like it's more voodoo think voodoo okay okay yeah i think it's more like a voodoo like a representation maybe a hair strand but something personal okay so so for example for the musician in the building you have to collect a record Oh, fun. Okay. okay. I get it. So it's like things that someone has put passion into or is an example of their passion. Yeah, definitely. Bertram Piedmont, his was a toy because it was his idea to monetize by making toys. He also wanted to make bendy flavored ice cream. <sighs> he had a, a lot. Pickle of... on a sickle, if you know what I mean. As we know, Bertram Piedmont has some outrageous ideas. Oh, man, Nickel. Uh, I know, honey. <laughs> what happened? Well, a fickle I, I pickle salesman. Oh. I will tickle you for only a nickel. Oh. Yeah. How much do I pay for him to go away? <laughs> Just 10 cents. Have two dimes. Stay away from my body twice. <laughs> so, okay. So you get little totems from everyone that like worked in the building. That worked in the building. Yeah. Super I think there's six totems total to get the ink machine activated. Creepy. Right? So it's like fucking how you summon Captain Planet. Like you have to get the gang together. Earth, fire, wind, water, heart. Oh yeah. yeah you need it all. Okay. And by your powers combined, you I turn, turn on, on the ink machine. It's, so it's different. It's a little different. Okay. Yeah. So the ink machine's on. So the ink machine gets turned on. And just as you go back to like see like what it looks like turned on and stuff and, and check it out, the bendy ink demon that we said got created from before pops up up out of you. Oh shit, like the, like the ink machine demon? The ink machine demon, yeah. Oh, so creepy. it basically looks like the original Bendy, except now he is angry and he is big and he is just like, he's completely 3D. He's not a little 2D character How either. big is he? He's probably like six, seven feet tall. Oh shit. Like he's well over six feet tall. So yeah, shack-sized so Bendy? Yeah, shack-sized Bendy. Uh -uh. He's got like a smile that stretches all the way up his face and stuff and it's, it's you know, very very, very scary character. Anyone over a foot taller than me, I'm just like suspicious of. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've just been elbowed in the face a bunch by people that are like 6'4", and I'm, I'm <laughs> over it, and I just don't trust them you anymore. You just don't like it. So I wouldn't like that as a people just because of my, where my face is located in relation to their elbows, let alone be it like an evil ink monster. Right, and it's scary. And they make the music, you know, again, 
terrifying. Ah. And the entire screen starts going black and ah. it starts chasing you. Like the, the blackness starts chasing you. So you're running your way out of this thing. You can hear like the sound effects in this are fantastic. Oh, creepy. You know, we've got surround sound, so it sounds really good. And you can hear it behind you and everything is coming up on you. And so you find the exit and you're heading down the hallway and the floor gives out. No, because it's soaked through with ink. Because it's so soaked through with ink. Oh, Jesus. yeah. That ink machine started just dumping ink all throughout the entire building. Oh, no. So there's ink just pouring 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 and so you're like slogging through the ink and so you get down to the lower levels and you have to turn some valves and shit and and lower the ink levels and you finally get an axe and so you take this axe and you're going through and you have to like take it and knock off some wood and this is really lame action to be real because there's no (laughs) bad guys or anything you're fighting you're you're just you're not even running you're you're just no. Doing light maintenance. Yeah, at this point, you're just... Yeah, Bendy's not chasing you anymore. He's over your shit. There's nobody chasing you. And so you come into this one room, and it looks like, like, kind of like a vending machine room, except there's no vending machines. It's just all coffins. Oh, shit. And then on the ground is in the original version a pentagram Mm -hmm. on the ground and in the new version it is just a series of symbols so remember when i said that they made some decisions and had to change some things so the first three chapters they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants in terms of making up the story i think they threw this pentagram down to show like there's some cult shit going on yeah and you know when you want cult shit going on you throw down a pentagram yeah classic chapters four and five they kind of solidified their cult they knew what it was going to be they knew like what it was going to be worshiping etc so they decided to do a retcon and they kind of did a graphical update and a story update on the first three chapters to make it mold better into the full story that they were trying to tell does anyone get strangely sexy do they sammy lawrence apparently was just kind of a blob but then they gave him like abs and shit wait really i didn't hear this yeah this is all new information to me allegedly really yeah Oh, I saw funny. someone talk about it in a recap video. So original Sammy Lawrence was fat. He wasn't fat. He, he just, was just wasn't well defined. Unshaped. Yeah, but when we meet him in the remaster version you played, mm-hmm. who's he looking oh, like? Oh yeah, no, he's felt. He's felt. He, he's felt. He's cut. Does he have those cum gutters? Yeah, definitely. Ew. Yeah, he's that, got that's ink gutters. V. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Ink gutters. Oh, that is gross. So they did a little bit of an update. So it is. A thing on the ground, basically in a circle. And once you approach it, a flash of the ink machine, a wheelchair, and ink bendy demon creature flashes before your eyes. Oh no. And then you pass out blackout, and that's the end of chapter one. Oh, that's fun. That's such a good one chapter, though. Like, if they wanted that to be a demo, like, they knew someone would ask what happens next. That's such great world building in chapter Definitely. one. Definitely. Action, you know, as you said, is what it is. But, like, the art's dope as shit, and, like, the music is insane. Oh, it's so much fun. I mean, we were English majors in college, and so you and I both learned about the importance of the hook mm-hmm. in storytelling. And, I mean, as far as a hook goes, that's going to hook you in. Oh, line and sinker yeah done chapter one you've got us in you you made us want to see like what the fuck is happening what was that creature what is this studio what's going why are we three stories underground now in this tiny little animation studio and it goes so deep i know i love that in video games when they do that where it's just fuck physics there's this tiny little studio or something up above and then this deep underground cavernous world underneath right from chapter one to chapter two from chapter one they uploaded it 
And people started liking it, and people were like, oh, this is kind of cool, like, this world is cool, they're getting some reviews. So going into chapter two, they knew people were excited about the lore, Mm -hmm. thought the art was really dope, and just kind of wanted to know more about the world, because it was very mysterious, and they don't know how this world functions, because there's no other lore around this. It's just an indie demo that went out. No, totally, it was a small project, and I think, you know, it was right at the height of Twitch just getting, like, really moving, too. Totally, and, like youtube walkthrough let's play things and stuff people like that. reacting yeah people love watching people react to shit yes so much i like when animals react to shit yeah that's cute people just screaming i don't get it but cats and cucumbers i can do that for four hours but a person screaming at the jump scares of ben Deves standing behind them when they weren't there a moment ago i lived it i live with you yeah I didn't scream. No. It's not that scary. You, you lightly startled my naps. Yeah. <laughs> it was very stressful. It was so stressful for you. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, it was it was some cute jump scares. And they're well done. I'm not going to say any of them are cheesy. It's just that, you know. No, the sign got me. When, when you turn around the corner in chapter one and the sign or the bendy pops out from around the corner and then pops back, fuck me up. Yeah. Because you feel like you're alone and you're not. Right. And you look around corners like when you get there and the sign's there, but there's no person there that had like Uh, moved it. uh, Is chapter two less scary? No. So chapter two is called The Old Song. Oh, maybe it'll be a happy song. It's definitely not a happy song. Oh, no. There's not a whole lot of happiness in this game. Okay. Yeah. So Henry wakes up and he starts to look for his way out and he finds his way into the music department. Sammy Lawrence's spot. Yeah, so this is Sammy Lawrence's spot. We've heard his name a few times now. Uh, We've heard a few of his little recordings and stuff. And like you'd said, he's stressed out beyond all compare in terms of like working and having to overcompose and make different songs for four different fucking videos all at once. Yeah. So he's He's stretched real thin, real thin, you see? Like my thin cigarettes. So we need to get into his studio in order to move on to the next area. There's an ink like flood going on, so we gotta oh, work our way through. You know, this is where they started to listen to the audience. We're like, all right, let's start to stretch this out a little bit more. Cause the first chapter is like twenty minutes. Oh wow. It's super short. It's it's not a very long chapter that's kind of perfect for youtubers though too that are starting out as like oh i can do an entire chapter and i can edit this in two hours yeah and if i get stuck four hours fuck it but like i can jam that shit out before i start streaming for like six hour blocks definitely yeah it's a good it's a good starter yeah you know if it's a D campaign it's definitely one of the early missions (laughs) there you go (laughs) so anyway so he's in the music department he's going around and he encounters his first like bad guys that he has to fight so he's still got that axe from earlier at least yeah they're just these creatures they're called searchers and they're legless humanoid creatures that come up out of the ink ew so they're just like a torso? Yeah, just a torso. Very good. Yeah, oh. just a black torso, and it just comes crawling after you. An ink torso. Ink torso. Yeah. Fuck that. And it's pretty easy. Just a single axe swing takes care of them. It's not that hard. Which is again, it's it's frustrating because you're like, cool. There's some action, and it's not really action at the same time it's just kind of forced action Mm -hmm. so it's again it's not a whole lot of fun in terms of a lot of the story stuff that we find is 
through the audio logs and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Henry has to drain the ink throughout the entire place. And just as he completes his task, he gets attacked by Sammy. Sammy Lawrence. So Sammy Lawrence is still there and he is not one of the characters Sammy Lawrence is kind of his own thing. Like David S. Pumpkins? Like David S. Pumpkins, definitely. Oh, no. He is just a Sammy Lawrence. Okay. So Sammy Lawrence is a humanoid body, but he is all ink. And is he ripped? He is apparently ripped to shreds. <laughs> How do you notice? He's like in pants. He's shirtless. He's got inky nipples <laughs> and no face. He's insane character. Yeah, he has no face. But what he's wearing is a cardboard cutout of a bendy mask. Ooh. Right. So it's always smiling at you and it's very creepy. That's terrifying. And what he wants to do is take Henry and sacrifice him to the ink bendy demon. Oh, shit. So that way Sammy can get a body back. Just as he's about to sacrifice and kill Henry, the bendy ink demon comes and kills Sammy instead. Oh, shit. And drags his body off. Oh, no. And, like, he sees Henry and just kind of wanders away. I'm not mad at you right now. I'm mad at him. Yeah. You know, and since Bendy is a nonverbal character, he doesn't say anything and he doesn't explain his actions and you're just kind of left there. That's such the trick with, like, these single character in a game thing. Like, the reason The Last of Us works so well is because Ellie and Joel are talking the entire time. Oh, right. It doesn't feel cheesy because they are getting to know each other and it feels very natural and you buy into their bond. Like, that bond is what got that game a sequel and fucking every Game of the Year award for its original and sequel. Like, yeah. fucking swept it. It's a whole-ass HBO show now. That's why that does well. Games like this, where it's one dude who has to read his history, read his lore instead of experiencing it, makes it so much fucking harder to, like, buy into the world. It is, and especially when, you know, sometimes those things are hidden. You know, yeah, not, not like, all the audio logs are right out in the open. When you have to earn your lore, like in Until Dawn, where you earn those totems that show you in that montage of like what happens. Right. There's like a two, maybe three minute video and every totem you find, you get 10 seconds of the video yeah. that recaps actually what happened in between the year that explains what's going on in the world and like. Right. You know, fills so in a lot of gaps. Yeah. And it does give you spoilers to what actually happened truly in game. And I won't get into that because we're not getting into that. And that's a perfect game. And if someone hasn't played it, they absolutely should four different times. Yeah. Minimum. But it's so challenging when you don't have a character that can interact with someone else to create the history and you have to earn it. Mm -hmm. That's my rant. I agree with you entirely. <laughs> no, you're, you make a lot of great points on that. Okay. So Bendy Ink Demon takes away Sammy and you're just sitting there like, cool. Right. Not me. So, you know, Henry has to get up and, you know, he gets himself freed and he just starts booking it oh, and yeah. as you get up and run then ink bendy starts to take notice of you and was like oh i guess i'm gonna chase after you now so he decides to chase after and he's you know storming through the whole thing again the whole room is turning black henry manages to slam a door behind him and get it locked and then he hears behind him a can roll from around the corner <coughs> and he turns around and he looks and a full-sized walking breathing living boris <gasps> Comes around the corner. Yay! And Henry goes, what? And then it turns to black. Henry say, who that? Yeah. So we've now got 
one of the animated characters looking completely normal coming into the picture. What do you think that means for the Meatly, who is an artist who is reading a story about another artist who is both being tortured and saved by art he's created? Ooh, that's pretty good. Sorry, that was a little heavy. I imagine a lot of artists go through that. I've seen This isn't the first time I've seen a story like that come to life where the artist is tortured by their art, essentially. I've seen Adaptation Man. (laughs) I get it. It's hard. It's deep shit. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, there, there's something to that, though, that I find very interesting. No, totally. I totally get you with that. But, like, one creation is about trying to kill him, and one creation is like, what's up, my friend? Yeah. So, this character is canonically referred to as Buddy Boris. Oh, he's my friend, Boris. So, this takes us into chapter three, Rise and Fall. Oh, no. It's going to be spooky. So, somebody's going to go down. Yeah. Oh. Henry is now friends with Buddy Boris, and Buddy Boris kind of has his own little safe house that he's been helping, you know, Henry get reacquainted with himself and try to figure out what's going on. I was asleep for this chapter. You were definitely fast asleep during this whole thing. And unfortunately, Boris doesn't talk, which sucks, but, Ugh. you know, it. you don't really get a lot of information out of him, but you can. he can convey a lot of emotion, which is nice. So, like, to my rant... <laughs> Okay. The one time you get, like, someone that you can bounce things off of and ask questions and have meaningful conversations to build the lore, they're like, no. Nah, not gonna do it. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. So, as we're going through this next section, we find some audio logs from a character named Susie Campbell. Now, Susie Campbell was hired on to be the voice for the character Alice Angel. Unfortunately, Susie Campbell didn't keep the job of the voice of Alice Angel in the history of Alice Angel character. After a little while voicing Alice Angel, they replaced her with another actress called Allison Pendle. Obviously, Susie didn't take this very well. Susie was not a big fan of this. She loves her character, right? She loves her character a lot. She's also very ambitious in the sense that she will go to literally any length. I'm a star, you see? I'm Alice Angel, not you. Yeah, and not in the sense that she'd murder or anything like that, but in the sense that, you know, she might drop to all fours to get a job and not Mm. really have a problem with it. Oh, honey. And I think she might have also crushed on Joey Drew a little bit. From, from, you know, a little bit of the stuff that I see, you know. She's like so, a little drinking the flavor aid about him being a genius. Yeah, definitely. It was very drawn to him for his genius. I think she worked her way into this role, definitely. And then being pitched aside after giving literally her all yeah. really hurt her bad. So mm-hmm. when she found out about this whole experiment of putting souls into the cartoon characters, she basically volunteered to do I'll it. I'll do it, Joey. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do anything, Joey. What do you want me to do? I, I want this part so bad. And Joey's just like, okay, be this cartoon character, like get into the. He's English like, thing. to be clear, you consent and volunteered for this, so I'm not liable for shit. Right. So she becomes the second character to be created by the Ink Machine. She's like a living character. Yeah. Oof. That's and a Twilight Zone episode. Because she volunteered for this, because Susie Campbell is kind of in ugly spirit as a human being yeah she doesn't come out looking too great oh so so souls matter first of all the souls do matter in terms of how good looking you come out looking on the other end so this is character is canonically referred to as twisted alice oh so half of her face is distorted and disfigured and you know she's like fan of the opera with his mask off yeah really ugly character unfortunately and what she wants is to harvest different body parts from other characters to make herself more complete and look more beautiful Well, that's horrifying. 
And who's tailing Henry right now? Beautiful buddy Boris. Beautiful, perfect looking buddy Boris. This is where we meet a lot of new characters throughout the game. Fun. For the game, because Alice Angel becomes kind of our quest giver for the next section. And this whole thing, like I said, was where they were trying to extend out the gameplay and they turned it into a very long series of fetch quests. <laughs> so the feedback they got was, these episodes are so short, man. Please, like, give us more. We like the lore. We love the world. We want to learn more. And he's like, cool, fetch quests? And they went, variety. He's a fetch quest. Fetch quests, yes. Yes, he wanted fetch quests. I will quadruple down on the fetch quest then for you. I'll give you more of the same. They went, not like that, man. Not so much. He's like, oh, you didn't like just using one weapon. I'll give you three weapons this time. Okay. Yeah, so you get the axe. Yes. And then you'll get a pipe. Okay. Which is the same. Yeah. And they hit the same and function the same? They hit the same and they function the same. Okay, we're getting colder. And then you're going to get a needle as well. A needle? Yeah, the needle. What the fuck? It still functions the same. Oh. It stabs. Okay. But it still functions the same. But you're not, like, sneaking up on people and injecting them with deadly nightshade? No, you're you're taking their ink out of their body. Oh, oh my god, I'll let you go, because... <laughs> it's like taking... If you take the blood out of a people, it'd be bad. They're so. like the little sisters in Bioshock draining <gasps> the atom. Take a shot. Take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> so, in this, you also get to meet the, the Butcher Gang. Oh shit, that sounds punk as fuck. So the Butcher Gang are three of the characters that came from the animated series. Uh, they were just three very normal characters. They were just... Are they people? They were normal people. They were called Charlie, Barley, and Egner. Uh, okay, but like, if they're real people, they are the three children from Nightmare Before, before Christmas. That <laughs> steal Santa Claus. Like, they're all stout and shit. Yeah, so then they became Piper, Fisher, and Stryker. Oh, Afterwards, because what happened to them after they went through the ink machine was that they became heavily disfigured. So were these souls that went through and became these characters? It's unclear. Okay. I like to see these as maybe some Bertram Piedmont experiments. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think of them as that because they definitely remind me of something like from Sid from Toy Story would create. Oh, no. Like one of them, their heads, the Fisher one, his head was a fishing pole with the head like hanging off of one of the, like the line and like dangling out in front of him. Like an angler fish Like with an its angler light? fish with its light, but it's its head. Oh, that's horrifying. I love it. So it had some of these three really creepy things. So you have to go around, you have to collect some of their ink to help build back her face and stuff. Again, Gross. this part sucks. Yeah. This part, you're taking this elevator up and down the entire time, which I didn't take because I heard an audio log from the engineer for the fucking elevator say, don't use the elevator. That thing's dangerous as shit. <laughs> so I didn't use the elevator. I just used the stairs. Turns out it's perfectly fucking safe to use the elevator. Oh. I, it's a story purpose later that that whole box comes into play. Oh, no. So frustrating. So I did a lot more running. And again, it's not running. The running in this game is walking in 90% of every other game you've played. This man is in his 60s. I don't care. Not everyone's a 27-year-old buck named Gordon Freeman. Well, they should be because they can actually run. Because it's boring as hell to play as an old man kind of lumbering around. That's fair. Even Soldier 76 gets like a, a speed boost. See? He's he's 76 years old. I don't think that's his age. That is the canon. I don't think every year 
That... His number goes up because he, <laughs> he ages. No, I'm Soldier 77. Do you think he partied really hard when he was Soldier 69? <laughs> I would. Just like, hey, look at my jacket. <laughs> he was in hiding during that time. Oh. Oh. Can't even enjoy it. Boo. That sucks. No one came to his grill. Then we meet other characters. Uh, we meet Norman Polk. So he was hmm. the projectionist of the studio. Oh, cool. And again, I think he is more of an experiment of Birds from Piedmont. He's got a film projector for a head and he is acting. Wait, like the the wheelie thing on his head? Yeah. Oh, that's horrifying. And like, it's like projecting a white light. And so he can only see whatever's directly straight in front of him. Oh, Jesus. Is he an ink body with projector on his head? Yeah, he's an ink body, but he's got like film like flying all over his body Ah, too. Ah, that's horrifying. Yeah. It's a a pretty good design. The designs in this game are pretty neat. That's horrifying. I love it. Go on. He is acting like a character like out of uh, Hello Neighbor. Oh, so he's like creeping on you. Yeah. Or out of, again, Bioshock with the big daddies where if they see you, they're going to chase you. Yeah. And so with these, if you get chased, there really is no protecting yourself. Apparently you can kill them if you hit them like something like 17, 18 times. Oof. But I never wanted to deal with that. Who's got time for that? Yeah, I just always ran. Uh, There's these boxes called Little Miracles boxes. And once you get inside of a Little Miracles boxes, you're safe. It looks like a tiny poop room. A little bit. Yeah, it looks like a little outhouse. Uh, It's just made out of wood and it has a little sign over it. It almost looks like a No Girls Allowed like clubhouse. Yeah, and then Shrek busts out and the Smash Mouth starts playing. (laughs) And what's great is like they can be like two centimeters behind you, but as long as you get there... You're totally I'm on base. Yeah, like you're a four-year-old on base. I will still play with base. I don't run very fast. I rely on strategy. And then one of the other characters that's chasing you through this entire level is super gnarly fucking Demon Ink Bendy. Oh. Now this Demon Ink Bendy acts differently from the other ones we've seen, even though apparently it is the same one. Okay. In that he can walk through walls. Oh shit. So he's like basically evolved through the chapters too. Like the Meatly team was like, let's up the ante and make him a little scarier. Yeah. And I think they decided to borrow from some of the other indie darlings that were also doing well at the time. Yeah. So like I said, if like Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th is another great example of that. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is a great example. This is a great wave of indie games. Yeah. We had some really great indie games coming out at that time. So I think they were pulling elements from that and they that's where this whole bendy thing comes from and so he's very much the same thing where he's frustrating because like i said he walks through walls so you can just be chilling in a room and with no warning he's right fucking behind you Jesus. and you gotta haul ass and try to run to one of these little uh, miracle Ugh. boxes and if he catches you he kills you and dying in this game sucks yeah Dying in this game is terrible. Uh, You go into this kind of like tunnel world where you're going towards the light and the sound effects sound like in Lord of the Rings when you would, when like Bilbo would put on the ring and it would like go into that weird like world or whatever and the sound effect (laughs) from that. It's all these whispers and shit going on. Creepy. Yeah. Uh, And you have to get to the end of it and you just, you hobble through the whole fucking thing. And it looks like the tunnel from fucking being John Malkovich. Yeah, definitely looks like that tunnel from being John Malkovich. And then you get to the end of it and it just takes you over to these like statues of Bendy that are scattered throughout the levels and stuff. They're kind of like the bathospheres. Again, 
in Bioshock. Drink, drink. <laughs> That's how you die in the game. And so you're collecting these things for this Alice Angel. And as you get to the end, she's like, okay, now take the elevator down and I'll help you. And as you go, the elevator breaks and she kidnaps Buddy Boris. Oh, shit. While you're dealing with the breaking elevator. Oh, no. My buddy. Which, that's the part where the elevator breaks that I heard from the fucking recording earlier, thinking that it was going to break on me at some point. Oh, shit. And did not take the elevator. So, that is the end of chapter three. Rise and fall. And it's in an elevator. That's actually really funny. Right. I'm going to give him that one. Pretty good. Yeah. That one was a clever one. Yeah. So, this takes us into... Chapter four. Chapter four. Colossal Wonders. Wonder Wolf. Not quite. Oh. But this is the most fun uh, chapter, I would say. All right, cool. So, Colossal Wonders. Give yeah. me a colossal hint as to what's going on. Bertram Piedmont. My boy. Yeah. That overgrown man. That overgrown wearing man. Wearing stripy ass Head to fucking heel underwear. Ooh, this I'm is what you're for. imagining, right? Yeah, I just he's one of those strong men at the beach with the onesie that like looks like overalls. Oh, you think so? Lifting a barbell that bends in the middle. But can also like build an amusement park. He's also got his own gastro pub. Like, I would say he is equally as crazy as Joey Drew. Oh, they're a match made in hell. It's perfect for yeah, each other. They're both equally insane they both are equally as like egotistical yeah uh, uh, maniacal they're, they're very sociopathical like yeah just very fuck you i'm gonna do what my dreams call me to do yeah and and Unfor- fuck anybody that stands in my way unfortunately their dreams overlapped and now they're both a mess because of it and a lot of people got fucked up because of it yeah love it here for it totally here for it so <laughs> we find ourselves in bendy land so, also, just to touch on the physics of this place, you've fallen through several floors. You've gone oh, up yeah. and down through more several floors. Let's call this floor minus 12 underground. On the elevator, you know, since the elevator is underground, I assume that we're going down is the right numbers. We went down to 14. Okay, so let's call this 20. Yeah. 18, th- maybe. Probably around there. Yeah. What's happening in this world? It's amazing. It's It's a little... Too much, but also is it Bioshock one or two that you go through the amusement, uh, go through the roller coaster? Ooh, I think that's the second one. Okay, because I only played the second one once, and uh, I don't remember that happening. Okay, maybe Minerva's Den or something too. Yeah, that sounds like something you would do. Yeah. Anyway, so this is now into Bendy Land, and Bendy Land's fun. At least this one, you get to do some mini games and stuff. So you get to like throw some balls at some milk cans. Okay, so they heard from chapter three. Fetch quests are too repetitive. Yep. So they said, all right, you get to throw a ball at a can. Mini games. <laughs> Which is fine. You know, actually, I did appreciate the mini games. You get a gun, finally. Just to break up the monotony, at least. Yeah, like. definitely just to break up the monotony. Because, like, the only time they tease you with a gun was in Chapter 3, when, and fucking Alice is like, here, let me give you a tool to help you out. And there's a Tommy gun sitting there. Oh, shit! So you go to grab it, and it just falls apart in your hand and turns to ink, and she just starts laughing. She's like, I'm kidding. Here's a pipe. Fuck and you. Like, you don't get off. a gun. Yeah, so I guess they were like, all right. Oh. Allegedly... In chapter three, if you complete some very specific tasks in a very specific order and do things in a very specific way, you can get a Tommy gun. Okay, but Pixar didn't happen. Right. That's an allegedly. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. 
rumor on Reddit is. Yeah, exactly. Like, you gotta do some pretty intense stuff to get to the gun. It's okay. just like, it's not part of the main game. Fair. I'll put it that way. So yeah, you do get a gun, you get to shoot some targets. I think there's a strongman competition where you gotta use the, your hammer and, like, knock it up and stuff, and it's, you know, it's Come cutesy back when stuff. He some money, buddy. <laughs> drink? Take a drink, I guess? Yeah, sip it. Sure. I'll just say Bioshock. There you go. There you go. Regardless, you go through, you know, again, it's not necessarily fetch quests, but there are some little, you know, monotonous things. Like I'm throwing a can at the butcher gang to distract them so I can go and find a switch to turn on and stuff like that, which okay. is a little dumb. But, yeah, I get you, you know, it's still better than the fetch quests. Why are you turning on switches? You're turning on the power to the amusement park. Right, because you drop into an abandoned amusement park and your first instinct is to turn on the lights. Have you seen a zombie movie? Well, Alice Angel has told you that she is keeping Boris in the haunted house. Ah, son of a bitch. We gotta go save him. And the haunted house is all boarded up. And in order to board, open it up, it needs the power to turn on. Fine. Yeah. I follow the story. Now there's a bit of a story going on. Okay. <laughs> but the final room that you have to complete before going on to Alice Angel and going into the haunted house is you get to encounter Bertram Piedmont himself. Ooh, the curator of curiosities. Now, Bertram of Bendyland. Where Joey Drew wanted to create his characters in the real world. Oh man, Bertram Piedmont, he wanted to become his rides. Okay. So, where he, are you going with this? So, instead of putting souls into an animated character, he put his soul into an amusement park ride. Like the lady that married the Eiffel Tower? Nothing like that. Okay, because I got nothing else even warm to what's happening. So this ride is like an octopus ride where it's got four arms sticking out, which I know octopus have eight, but just... Yeah. You know. Anyway, so it's an octopus ride where there's a center to it and then there's a forearm sticking out of it. And those forearms have like two little pods attached to the ends of them. So that way people can get inside the pods and they flip around and they spin around. Is it that a whiplash sometimes? Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of those rides. You see them in a lot of uh, carnivals that like move town to town. Yeah. The ones that can be attached by drunks. Yeah, definitely dr drunks or meth heads, quick and easy, little couple bolts here and there, and you're all together. Yeah. So at the center of it has kind of like this circus tent middle to it where it's covered in fabric, and the fabric rolls up, and we see in the center a gigantic head. Like an artist's rendering? No, like a human head. And it looks like... You but know, it's little, right? No, it's huge. Why? It's like a six foot head. Why? Because it's Bertram Piedmont. Son head. of a bitch, it's Bertram Piedmont. And it looks like Edgar Allan Poe, if you ask me. Oh. Like have you ever seen like an animation of like what Edgar Allan Poe looks like? I'm going to... I see you on that. I'm going to raise you. He looks like one of the three little heads from Spirited Away. Okay. The ones that like yeah. pop around. Like yeah, follow totally. the witch and stuff. Yeah, it looks like one of those too. Yeah. I don't like this at all. And yeah, he's so a little green in, in yeah, the face too. The, the green and the square dead eyes really. And the dead eyes, me. you know how like in a painting that follow you when you like look around that when you have a painting like that? Yeah. This is a 360 degree, like you can go all the way around this thing and his head follows you. I don't like that. No matter where you go. So he's just always watching you. I don't like that at all. And so you have to break the machine in order to f defeat 
birds from Piedmont. Do you think that's a commentary on the rumor that Disney has his body and head cryogenically frozen under the parks or something? I'm sure it's probably a little bit like of a that. little nod at yeah. least because like obviously like yes there was was it Fleischman the Fleischer Fleischer cartoons, cartoons? Yeah. yeah clearly a lot of this more mirrors both the art style and kind of what happened historically mm-hmm. but there's so many splashes of Disney it's just oh easily how could you not lean into it and be like yeah it's fucking Disney <laughs> there's a whole swimming pool they were pulling from it yeah. wasn't just one thing it's an ocean girl they're yeah. diving in it definitely and they're they're having fun which is great yeah oh okay so we killed the evil head ride Bertram Piedmont is now completed or his spirit is unsettled freed, I guess I don't want it's to it had to be freed he wanted to be in there the rules of this world are very strange <laughs> so you get to go in the haunted house though that's kind of fucking now sick. it's the haunted house time and it's not that great really uh, I mean you get into a doom buggy which is pretty cool Ooh. and it takes you through the haunted house and it's cheesier than the cheesiest haunted house Aww. you've ever been on like it's like the same ones at that same carnival <laughs> yeah it's really really lame do we love that Bertram Piedmont isn't good at his job oh yeah like he is the curator of curiosities, but he gave them like a shit trash ass haunted house with like cardboard ghosts going. Meh. Yeah, it's like it literally is cardboard ghosts like barely popping up over a gravestone. So he's not even good. And they're at kind this. of friendly looking ghosts. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, they're not like scary ghosts. It's kind of like a howdy do ghost. It's more like a haunted by your ex house, <laughs> just where you're really melancholy, but you're trying to put on a brave face. Right. <laughs> That's terrible. I love it. And so you get into this room that if you've ever been on the Haunted Mansion, it reminds you of like Madame Leota's room. Where, where it's, it's that like circle. It's that half circle and there's just a big open area right in the center. Uh, you know, there's no floating head though. It's a circus in the round moment though. Yeah, it's empty. I think there's like a piano or something in, in the middle of it where there would be probably somebody grand playing something. Well, Virgin Piedmont's checks started bouncing so he didn't finish all of his projects. That's to fair. Be real. That is totally fair. And Alice Angel's just over the PA system kind of taunting you the whole time talking about oh your little buddy boris how do you think he's doing you think he's doing all right you think you're gonna save him oh you're doing terrible like she's really being a dick about it. And so you come to the end of the tram ride and these two big arms come out of the darkness. Oh shit. And grab your little doom buggy. Eee! And then in leans the face of Boris <gasps> and then the rest of the body and it is just this big hulking like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the Hulk version of Boris. Oh no! And this is called Brute Boris. Oh, our little buddy is all fucked up. Yeah, he is pretty much destroyed at this point. Ugh. And he's lost his mind, and he's coming after you. Oh, no. Yeah. We're um, not friends anymore. No, Alice has completely destroyed him, and she wanted his organs, you know? she saw When she saw Boris, she said, that is the most perfect version of him that I've ever seen. Yeah. And so before she had cut open a dozen other Boris ah. clones, like other ones that she'd found that just weren't quite right there yet, and yeah. this was the most pure one she'd found. It's, it's very rumored that he was the janitor- Wally Franks put Aww. into that buddy Boris that he was just like, I'm just a nice guy. I, I, I didn't really have an agenda. Yeah. I just uh, kind of got caught up in all this shit. I was just recording my feelings. Yeah. I found a tape recorder. I was just too scared to go to therapy, but I respect mental health. So you do end up having to kill Boris. No! 
Yeah, it's oh. terrible. You do have to kill Boris. I like the canon that Wally Franks could be Buddy Boris. As like he's friendly, he knows the entire area. He might have his little cave like built out of like mm-hmm. his own little shit and know where all the cans are and stuff. Oh yeah, he would know where all the little nooks are. Yeah, I like that a lot. Definitely. Ugh, so you kill Brute Boris. And this pisses off Twisted Alice. Of course, she can't have her way. No. And so she comes at you and she's got her sword and she's about to chop you up. And then a sword comes plunging through her chest (gasps) and she falls over dead. And then you look up and you see a perfect, beautiful Alice Angel and kind of a steampunk looking Boris standing next to her. Fun. And he's got a wrench in his hand and he's kind of like slapping it into his other. <laughs> yeah, I say steampunk because one of his arms is missing, but it is like a robot, like mechanical arm. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. Like the golden arm on Quibi. <laughs> oh my God. Quibi doesn't exist anymore. Oh, I'm very dating myself. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. It already is gone. Fair. And then it fades to black end of chapter four. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a pretty good ending to chapter four, and uh, it's a pretty good twist, you know. Totally. Again, the Twitch was really big at this point in terms of people watching the reaction videos and people just screaming when they see like, Alice. Angel. Oh my god, it's the other girl. Because like you do get the audio boxes in a couple chapter touch points of like, no, Susie was replaced with Allison. So with Allison, so that is canonically who this character is. Then. Oh, I love this it. This character is. Allison Angel. Yay. So we wake up in chapter five, the last reel. In the last episode where they've taken notes and they've taken notes very well. I think that they've adapted chapter after chapter in really unique ways that have elevated the gameplay. I would agree with you in a lot of ways. I think there was a lot of things they couldn't escape that they started with. Fair. But at the same time, I think they at least tried to go with variety. Yeah, you know, it's a big swing to solidify the idea that the occult exists in this world Mm -hmm. and like tie it into something that's probably why they changed it from being satanic to to their own weird worship thing because when you lock it in you only have that box to play in yeah definitely and it's it's a weird worship mix between worshiping bendy and worshiping the machine as well yeah you know and i think it's one of the same totally because bendy came from that machine he was the original from the machine if you think of it as god and jesus you know bendy is basically the jesus of the ink machines god yeah. Ooh, creepy. And Bendy's just more accessible than the ink machine. And Joey True is a lunatic. Entire lunatic. He's just <laughs> throwing people in. So Alice and new Boris, steampunk Boris, have saved you. Well, it's not really saved because we wake up in a jail cell. Oh. Yeah, we are in a jail cell and Allison Angel is pretty sweet to you the entire time you're in there. You know, she's being nice. But Boris, the other Boris, which we find out his name is Tom. Tom. Hey. Uh, right? Pretty good name. I like that name. A little TNA for you. Right. And he is the basically the soul of a character called Thomas Connor. Now, Thomas Connor was the shop's handyman. Okay. He wasn't the janitor, but he was the handyman. He was the tinkerer. He fixed things. Totally. There's toy machines. There's ink machines. There's a whole medical suite you got to maintain. Yeah. I'm sure he was very busy. There's a lot of things for him to tinker on. Yeah. And he's not happy being put into a silent character, especially. Oh. He was very upset by that and he does not take very kindly to henry at all he sees him as a danger i think he's a little jealous to be real Mm. because henry's a human yeah that's fair henry might be the first human he's seen in 30 years yeah he's a spry 60 something year old man yeah and so he's kind of curious as like what the fuck's he doing here yeah allison angel kind of sees him as a savior 
Yeah. Oh, you're a people. This is awesome. Yeah. And she tells him something like almost like prophetic things, you know, where she's just like, I think you were sent here for a reason. I think that you're here to save me. You know, she's like, she has this very like ideal of him. Okay. And in doing so, she says, here's something that I found in the trap, like in the junk. And it's this screen that when you hold the screen up, you can find hidden messages written on the walls. Ooh, fine. Right? Like somebody had written like the whole time you can see on the walls, like black ink messages and like things yeah. saying like the creator lied to us and stuff. So totally. Joey Drew being the creator and being a liar and which is, yeah, absolutely. Right. So the first thing you see behind Allison Angel is a sign that says she's going to leave you for dead. Oh no, that's bad. <laughs> oh no. However, on her, over her head, you see a halo. So it's kind of this contradictory thing where you're saying, all right, is this person good or is this person going to leave me for dead? Or maybe both? Or maybe both. Cool. I think they opt for both. Oh, no. So we keep fading in and out of consciousness throughout this whole little section here where Allison and Tom, like there's one part where Allison gives you a bowl of food and then Tom puts his hand down in front of the food and waits for her to leave. And then he knocks the food off the corners. What a like, dick. Like yeah, a cat. Like a cat. And he's just like, you're not eating. Like he doesn't <laughs> say it, but yeah, he's just like being a dick about it. That's great. One of the times Tom's out on like one of his patrols or whatever he does, Ink Bendy saw him and followed him to their hideout. Wow. So Allison's like, oh my God, we've got to get Henry out of his cage. And they try to get him out. Like they legitimately were trying to yeah. get him out. And then finally Tom like puts his hand on her shoulder and like shakes his head like, we gotta go. Uh-uh, this isn't going to work out. And she's just like, I'm so sorry. And she leaves you for dead. Hey, ding. So using the little screen and stuff, you manage to find a pipe and you're able to get yourself out of there and you run and you find yourself facing like this big lake of ink. Oh shit. But we're in the canals of the studio now? We're in the canals, right. We're in the moat of the of the studio. Like it's the fucking Venetian, like a gondola is going to come by with a singing ink Italian. Oh, that would have been so nice. How romantic. Like a bendy, like, gondolier's hat and stuff. Yeah, oh, a stripey shirt. I would love that. Instead of Steamboat Willie, we get gondola bendy. <laughs> Give me that. Well, we do get a steamboat, which actually, no, it's a paddle boat, which is funny. Oh, that might be the little nod paddle boat that. bendy. I didn't even notice that, that we do get in a paddle boat. I'll take, I'll take you up on that. So we, we're in this paddle boat. We're cruising down the river like fucking Mark Twain. Yeah, and this, it, well, it's a little one-man paddle boat. Like, okay, it's, not as glamorous. No, Go on. but, it, but... It's frustrating because there's little ink blots that keep like jamming up the paddle boat. Oh. And you have to knock the little ink blots off. So as you're going through, you see like a very actual, now that I think about it, a very stereotypical like steamboat willy steamboat off in the distance. Oh shit. In the ink. And then up out of the water comes a gigantic gloved, like white Mickey Mouse gloved hand. Oh shit, just the glove? Out of the water and like Yay. an arm. And then it crushed and like slams down onto the like steamboat Willie boat and destroys it. Oh shit. And it's just, and then like the music gets super intense. That's obviously epic. So you jam your boat into overdrive and you're like hauling ass out of there. And here's the part that was like, super frustrating. Is it hitting the nose? Super, uh, yeah, you're hitting the nose in these little fucking boats. No, you keep getting jammed up with ink, right? Yeah. And so every time, it's always three little blots that jam up your paddle boats. Uh-huh. And you have to run over and you have to hit all three of them and then you have to run back and you have to turn back on your engine. Now, if you have to swing your wrench four times, you're going to die. Oh no! 
so there's zero margin of error. Zero margin of error with Jesus. this. They made this so frustrating and so difficult. And it's not like there was difficulty settings in the controls or it's anything. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, the most they give you is uh, some sensitivity. That's the only okay. thing they let you change. There's no speed change. There's nothing else. It's just Aww. sensitivity is the only thing that they, they'll let you change a little bit. Yeah. So that was super frustrating. And you get to the end of it. And at the end of this, like, river lake of ink is a shanty town. A shanty town. It's a straight up shanty town, like cardboard houses, Whoa. you know, just uh, plywood for the front and some windows. And when you look through your little visor, it says, you bring death here. Oh no. This was created by a group of people called the Lost Ones. The Lost Ones, what they are is they were the employees of Bendy Land. Oh shit. And they all got turned into just ink creatures. Oh no. Yeah, they basically got turned into ink slaves more than anything. Instead of severance, they became ink slaves? Yeah, I think to keep them quiet about what went down at oh, Bendy Land. So they didn't get turned into characters or anything. They're just blanks. They get sent to the infirmary and yeah. then the infirmary's like, how about you try this? And then they get turned into inks. And they just get turned into inks. And so they built like this whole shanty town. Crazy. At the back of the shanty town is a boarded up like cave. And so you walk up to it and out of the cave bursts Sammy from before the music director. Sammy Lawrence? I Sammy thought he got Lawrence. killed. You know, everybody thought he was dead. Surprise, surprise. He's still around and he's still very angry. And he still very much wants your body to have his own. Can't keep the tune man down. Definitely can't. So you got to fight him off and you eventually beat him to the point where his mask falls off and he gets Ooh, very angry. His bendy mask? His bendy mask falls off. Creepy. Because he's like, don't look at my face because he doesn't have a face. And he's freaking out. Yeah, like, he's just ink now. Yeah, he's just ink now. Like the only thing he wants is a face back. And that's why he wants to kill Henry. Mm. And just as he's about to kill you, Tom, the uh, other Boris. Steampunk. Steampunk Boris. Yeah. Sinks an axe into the side of his head. Oh, that's punk as fuck. Oh, yeah. It's pretty great. And then he flips the axe around and hands it to you. He's like, here you go. Oh, shit. We're so, buddies now. Yeah, Tom's on your side now, I think. He's, he's your boy. Like, I guess while Allison and he were off running away from the other, you know, whatever was going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was the ink, the ink bendy was after yeah. him. Yeah. So whatever they were running from. So now you have to go. Th- they go through this huge fight. Oh, man. So all those, remember those lumbering uh, creatures that come up out of the ground? The, the, yeah, the torsos. torsos? Yeah. They're all back. You got to fight all them. Then you got to fight ones with legs. That, oh, shit. Like those. Those, those lost ones, the, the people that were, you know, the employees of Bendy Land, they're all pissed off at you for being in their shanty town. Aww. So after you defeat it and everything, you end up falling through the ground again. Keep falling through the ground. All the time you're falling through the ground. All the time. So we're, you know, below now an ink lake. And you find yourself in the administrative offices. HR is below a lake. Yeah, is below a lake. Got so you, you sink your HR people as far down as human. That's why you can never apply for PTO. You have to go through a whole lake mm-hmm. and a river and there's a gondola ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you keep seeing signs through your little viewfinder. It says it's, it's keeping it in the vault. So you're like, okay, there's something in the vault that I need to get. And this is where you actually have to finally kill off the butcher gang oh, once shit. and for all. So you do get to kill them and they're, they're dead once and for all and you don't have to deal with them anymore in the game. Get them. But when you get into Joey Drew's office, you find out that there is a film reel that you need to get inside the vault. And you go into the vault and you find the box where the film reel is supposed to be kept and it's not there. Damn it! And what we find out is that Ink Bendy actually stole the film reel that was in this, in this box. He did you dirty. He did do you dirty. So now we have to go and find 
which is remember at the beginning we said there's two ink machines there's the big one and the small one right yeah this is why i say this is the big one because bendy keeps his throne room inside of the big one oh it's inside of the ink machine it's inside of the ink machine i didn't realize he lived inside of there like how mokiki lives in a fucking wine bottle submarine yeah just like that classic snl sketch that everyone totally gets they completely remember obviously doing the sloppy swish Karen's finest yeah <laughs> go on oh no we can't get inside yet because it is surrounded by a moat of ink of course there's a moat involved he's like the insane person on zillow who has a moat mm -hmm. go go get you some bendy they're looking at the moat and they're like well how do we get across and henry's just like well i guess we're just gonna have to wait across like it's it's shin deep it's not that deep we're, we're gonna be fine <laughs> he's like we can fucking walk there and Allison's just like, well, look at us. We're completely made of ink. And the line that she says is, a drop of water in the ocean is rarely ever seen again. Ooh, that's chilling, though. Yeah. Jesus. So she's just like, so we'll just fade into nothingness if we wade into that ink. So we can't go in there. So yeah. this is all on you, buddy. So the rest Ooh. is just entirely on Henry to go forward. Oh. So he goes inside and he very effortlessly makes his way to Bendy's <laughs> throne room, actually. Okay. He gets there and what he sees is one of those audio logs. Okay. And it's from Joey Drew himself. Oh, finally. And this one is really much very specifically for Henry, which is very oh. confusing as to why it's there. And it's never fully explained as to why it's there either. He knew. But I think it's also just they needed to finally get this final piece because they didn't want to reveal all of their fucking cards at the very Fair end. Fair enough. Like they wanted it to be the very end. So yeah. in this throne room is a chair and the chair has a whole bunch of projectors on it. And they are shooting at little screens all over the room. And they're just infinite loops of Bendy cartoons playing. Creepy. Right. So it's Bendy's throne room of himself that he likes to just sit there and watch himself on these things. And the Joey Drew audio log that we hear basically explains this, that all of these are on infinite loops because you only make one the end film reel. Mm -hmm. And then you just add it on to each every one of them when you send it out to people. Yeah. The thing is, is Bendy has never seen the The End film reel. Oh, He's, so that's how we'll kill him. That's the only thing that will kill him is for him to see The End to one of his film reels. You know, it was their first game. I know. <laughs> and they created an incredible franchise. They did. They did. They worked really hard. Certainly not unflawed. Not unflawed at all. Go on about how watching the tape will kill the bad guy. So before you're able to turn on the end, we get one more battle with Bendy. Uh oh. And we get Beast Bendy. Oh shit! And What's Beast Bendy? He just chases you. Okay. It's not too hard, actually. Is he, actually. like, bigger? He's just bigger, and he's angrier, and he can run through walls. And it's it's a really easy boss fight, actually. Okay. He just runs down a hallway, and if you hug the walls, he'll never hit you. So he's not as hard as Bertram Piedmont? No, Bertram Piedmont's the hardest boss fight. Actually, I would say the, the, um, the bad guys in the shanty town. That's okay. the hardest fight. Okay. Far and away, that's the hardest fight. Interesting you don't end on the hardest one. Yeah. No, the one with fucking Bendy is actually quite easy. Yeah. You're flipping a couple switches, just kind of avoiding him running at you down a hallway. That's funny. And so you finally, like, 
haul ass back into his throne room and you find the projector like the spot where you put the film reel in yeah and you hit play and just as ink bendy like beast bendy comes right up on you he sees the end playing and he kind of like freaked out he looks and he's like what the fuck's happening what is this and then he looks around and then all of the projectors start projecting the end on all of his screens and he just screams into the night and then his body starts disintegrating and he dies and then the entire level turns to white because before we were turning to black and oh. now we're turning to white like when the film stops the reel still going it's yeah all bright on the it screen. turns white oh and we fade back in and we're in a normal world we're home everything's great well it's not our home as we find out all right we're in a friend's house let's fucking party let's go to fucking chilies so as we walk through this house we find a cork board okay. and on that cork board we find some letters and the first letter we find is from a lady named allison pendle and in the letter what she's saying is oh my gosh joey it's so good to hear from you i hardly ever think of those old days can you believe how young we were well tom and i are married and things are going great uh unfortunately we're not gonna be able to make it out to see you but uh i hope things are going well for you and we're thinking of you and take care they got the same letter Henry did. And then you find another letter. And this one's from Wally Franks, the janitor. And he even says, he's like, I can't believe you even thought of me. Like, I literally swept the floors. I've never had <laughs> a boss reach out to me before. This is so weird. Thank you. I I live on the other side of the country now. I can't really see you. But, you know, if I'm ever in town, I'll stop by and say hello. I don't like when my coworkers reach out to me now at work during right. work hours. Your current coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> and I love them. They're wonderful people. <laughs> Let alone let old alone, co-workers. Yeah, let alone 30 years later. There's like a handful of people I used to work with that I talked to, but those are people I like fuck with. Right. I would never expect a boss to be like, hey, kiddo. And I'd be like, nope, you want me for some bad stuff. You want to pin something on me or you want to ask me for favors or money and I want yeah. nothing to do with it. And if it's Joey Drew, your gut would say he's asking for money. Yeah, definitely. Like, he, Oh, he definitely wants money. He wants some money. He's bad at money. He's getting, he's in his 60s, maybe 70s. He's too old to like go do shit or learn new trades. He's definitely asking me to invest in his fucking LuLaRoe pyramid scam or something. Oh, like, yeah. Because there's points in the game because we get audio logs from joey drew through the whole thing and he's very like mayberry like oh boy everything's going super duper here over at joey drew studios yeah like he's very much like that the whole time but there's one specific audio log in the entire thing where he stops and breaks character of himself oh and he's just like what is this crap i can't stand recording this <laughs> and if you, if you look through your little viewfinder in it it says this is the man that i knew Oh, yeah. Not the bullshit, like, not, family guy. Not the family guy, the face behind Joey Drew Studios. He was very much like this angry, cantankerous, like... Get shit done. Yeah, he was like, well, I mean, the ego that we've obviously yeah. seen through his actions more so than anything. Totally, and the support of crunch culture and, like, fuck you, get it done for me. Yeah. Crank out gold for me. Absolute monster in that sense. Oh, creepy. So we go into the kitchen of this house and there is old ass man, Joey Drew, standing at the sink. And he's just like, Henry, I wasn't expecting you for another hour. It's good to see you. And then he just kind of goes into like, oh, the old days and shit, you know, just like, oh, can you believe how young we were and how naive we were and how crazy things were back then? Yeah. And Henry's just kind of listening. He's just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. And fucking he ends it. Joey Drew just ends it with like, hey, go down to the studio quick there's something i need to show you and harry's like okay cool and then he goes through the kitchen door and he's back inside the studio no! and he says all right joey let's see what you wanted to show me no 
And the game starts all over again. It's an infinite loop. It's an infinite loop. Like us trying to record this fucking episode. <laughs> We're trying to break the loop right now, guys. We Don't are. Jinx it. Promise knock, knock. you. Ugh. So yeah, that is the story of Bendy and the Ink Machine. We go into the closing credits and it's beautiful, uh. beautiful artwork in it. Oh, yeah, entirely. You know, it looks like a, like an old Pixar like cartoon when they would read really great credit sequences like Monsters, Inc., you know, with some great animations and stuff. Yeah. And at the end of the credits, we do get a post-credits sequence. Like Marvel. Yeah. And this post-credits scene completely ruins everything. Oh, good. It is just a camera on rails. We're not controlling anything at this point. And we zoom in on a drawing of Bendy and Boris and Alice and Angel, like, holding hands, walking through a forest. And it says, congratulations with all your success. Love, Henry. Then we uh, see in a bedroom directly next to this painting, the ink machine. Oh, no. And it's just sitting in Joey Drew's house. That's bad. He should not have the ink machine. He is not to be trusted with ink demons. And just as it's fading to black, we hear a little girl's voice. And she says, tell me another story, Uncle Joey. No! <sighs> so what the fuck? What the fuck? Okay, wrench in the plan. So what the fuck? Did you see the shelf that has all of the totems on it in Joey Drew's apartment? Oh, yeah. And they're much more realistic versions, too. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, animated versions, because in the game, they're a bit more stylistic. Yeah, but these are supposed to be, like, the real-world grounded version of it. Yeah, definitely. So it's like, what is supposed to be real? You're fucking me up. And, you know, it... <sighs> Ink family. Never really thought of it as being in a cartoon world before. Mm-hmm. But versus then, the other world. It's versus the other world. But then you start to realize that it probably was. like That's true. With the contrast of what the apartment looks like versus the rest of the game, that it, he is in a cartoon world. Yeah. That's where you realize that you are in a cartoon world as opposed to the real world. That's pretty great. I'm not trying to lie. So it's, it's like, where does this infinite loop begin and end? Because, yeah, you can play through the game a second time. And this time you get to keep that little screen that you had. Oh, yeah. To see the secret messages. Yeah. And there's secret messages throughout the entire game game because you didn't get it till chapter five and it keeps a tally of how many times you played the game oh does it in chapter one when you drop in that first hallway when you put it on and you look around there is um tally marks tally marks and they go up with each day that you go through really and in the kitchen of joy drew's apartment there is a small calendar and the days do change based on how many times you played through the game really yeah so the real world time does change the more you go through you go through once a day i think is the approximate math Mm -hmm. of how they're counting it just to keep it easy Right. That's crazy. Yeah, because the tally marks is like 414, I think, as somebody counted out. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. So he's done That's it at least that starting. many times. Yeah. So the rumor is, you know, the theory is that maybe Henry has been leaving himself notes uh, written on these walls throughout things. There's also rumors that it might be somebody else entirely leaving these notes for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, a lot of interpretation for a game that has a lot of talking and a lot of answers. Yeah. <laughs> they do provide you a lot while posing more questions than answering. That's for sure. Definitely. And we are getting a sequel to it, so... Well, kind of. It's Kind a, of. They said it's not a prequel, it's not a direct sequel, but... And it's not Bendy and the Ink Machine 2. Yeah, it's Bendy and the Dark Revival, which is coming yeah. out sometime in 2021. Yeah, they've had to push it back due to, you know, 
the world. Gestures vaguely. Yeah, and they originally wanted to do it the same format where it was five chapters that would roll out, but they mm. recently were like, you know why it's taking so long? We're making this one big-ass campaign. Yeah, and they're saying it's going to be like two times the size of the entire thing that we already played. This is so exciting, though. But the last time they tried to make something longer, they just added a fucking 45-minute fetch quest. <laughs> so I'm nervous. I think that the melee and combat, though, is going to be something they focus on because it's obviously, like, the weakest arm of the game, you know? I would say so, because, yeah, the fandom, like, as far as the players, like, reviews, it's through the roof. Oh, yeah, no, this franchise is doing so well. They have merch at Target. They have merch at GameStop and shit. Yeah. This is entirely out of control. It has great reviews on Steam and, and on, you know, PlayStation. Everywhere it has great reviews. However, the critics' reviews are not high. Yeah, because of the mechanics being poor. Being the very poor mechanics, yeah. So, I mean, because they will look at the more technical aspects of the games. Totally. And that is where it falls apart, because it is not fun in that sense. Yeah. But like you said earlier, it did branch off a spinoff, like a Boris run, right? Yeah, it's like it's a temple run, but you can play as different characters and get chased by different monsters from the game. Have you heard about their other branched off game? Which, oh, oh, is it the one that I think you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, so they did an April Fool's Day joke. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. And it's called Bendy Royale. Bendy Battle Royale, or just Bendy Royale. Yeah, and you can play as all your different characters to kill each other. I saw the trailer for it. It's pretty great. It is. I would would kind of play that. Like, if if you haven't seen it before, it's a pretty great trailer of, like, all the different characters as first-person shooter, like, you know, like, they're they're goofy characters that they're making for all of them. Yeah, they get their hero pose. Definitely their hero pose. But it's, it also shows that, like, the the Meatly and his buddy are fun and do fun shit and are doing this out of love. Like, this doesn't feel forced. This doesn't feel hyper-monetized. It feels like we created something that people care about and fuck yeah, let's lean into it. That's awesome. No, I mean, as I said, they felt like people who are fans of video games first and foremost had made this game entirely yeah and so yeah bioshock take another shot hey so yeah that's that's bendy in the ink machine they've got more coming out they've got the dark revival and i don't love it i don't recommend it but i'm gonna play the sequel that's where you're at with this yeah i love the lore i think the lore is great i think if you can put up with a lot of slowness to a game yeah then you can play this yeah. And now final thoughts on this end. Who do you think would win in a fight? Henry or Henry? Oh, Henry, definitely. Firewatch or Bendy? Henry. <sighs> You're the worst. <laughs> Henry takes the cake. All right. Well, me and Henry are going to go camping and then we're going to go draw some shit. Yeah. All right. There you go. Thank you, Goombas. All right, Goombas. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.